exciting to see this little podcast kind of grow and be out there for people and and find its relevance somewhere with someone. So this is exciting. All right. So today uh, is going to be a talk on relationships. (laughs) It's my favorite talk ever because it is through relationships and being in them is that we realize a lot of our life lessons, learn a lot about ourselves as well. So that's what's really amazing about relationships is that they are a mirror to show you who you are, where you're at, how you decide the things that you decide, how you choose the things that you choose. And this goes also for the partners that we choose. How do we choose them? Where do, where do they come from? Why do we have preferences the way we have preferences? And today, hopefully, I'll answer that for you. So this way, it will help you on your journey to determine whether, in fact, I am picking my partners accidentally or do I really have a little pattern of doing that and I think you'll find that most of us have patterns and today we'll talk about what these patterns are where they come from so this way you can find it within you on this journey so it's not really talking about how to choose the right partner but rather how you choose your partner does that make sense I hope it does if not well you can't talk back to me <laughs> if I'm doing this podcast and I'm talking to myself. All right, <laughs> let's get started. Some of the things that we want to focus on understanding is the traits that kind of start during childhood. It is not unusual that we learn and are conditioned from early childhood and on on our preferences of partners. We do this because it is well, the partners that we choose, whether you like to believe that or not, are familiar. Love sometimes can be misconstrued with familiarity. When we grow up, our first relationship with the opposite sex is going to be for women or girls is going to be their father and for males is going to be their mother. A very strong, strong conditioning starts to happen there because depending on your interaction with your parents, it will definitely form an opinion about the opposite sex. But it will do it in a more, it's not direct for sure, but if you really look closer, you'll find that it has definitely influenced how you choose your partner, how you attach, how you don't attach, uh, how you commit, how you don't commit, how you deal with emotions or whether you run away from them. All of those things are pretty important. So we choose based on what is familiar when it comes to our mother and father and how we've interact with them. And this is up to you for you to determine that. Uh, and we'll find different ways that you can figure that out for you. So this way you know how it influenced you and your choices. If you have had an absent parent, Census Bureau kind of confirmed that one in four households are fatherless children and or have fatherless children. And this is pretty serious, pretty big deal. So what does that mean about us? When children grow up with an absent parent, feelings of self-worth or lack thereof will be a part of that person. 
It will be a common core belief in them. It has affected it somehow. Kids relate to parents being there or not being there really by assuming that it, it's I am worthy or not worthy. They're not doing this directly, but eventually it'll impact whether I am worthy of my parents spending time with me or not worthy of my parents spending time with me. My parent would find something else a priority and that would in fact contribute to my own feelings of self-worth. So that's pretty important. That's pretty important of what you find familiar. And you could see that if I have an absent parent, I could go from one extreme to another in choosing my relationships. For example, I could be choosing people that are absent or that are emotionally absent, meaning unavailable. Or I can go to the other extreme where I choose people that are overly attached or controlling or obsessive. Uh, and I'm, it's, I'm not in the middle, as you'll notice. So absent parents really will, may, could, could. I'm not saying everybody goes through this, but it could definitely impact which extreme you might go to or even staying in extremes, period, finding that to be familiar because I really don't have a healthy relationship that I can connect with when it comes to men or women based on absent parents. So the next thing I want you to figure out is whether you've lived in chaos, whether chaos for you is the norm, or was there violence? Was there sexual assault as a child? Was there, uh, again, neglect of any form in your childhood? And if that is the case, you've grown up with parents that are, are definitely finding different ways to deal with problems, most certainly non-adaptive ways to deal with problems, which will end up resulting in a child believing that this chaos is the norm and they cannot, they don't know how to sit in quietly within themselves. They are just living life by crisis management. They're always in a rush. You'll find that kid going very easily to one extreme or another as an adult. Uh, they will be an over worrier, always expecting the worst. Uh, they will be people that are distrusting of others or don't even trust themselves is, is pretty much pattern also with that uh, person. Also, boundaries will be affected. If I'm a person that have gone through chaos, boundaries of what I expect or accept in my life within the relationship with my partner also is determined by that. If I grew up in violence and sexual assault as a child, more than likely my boundaries will be on the extreme. Either I'm too rigid with my boundaries will will not allow people in or maybe too loose with my boundaries, which in this case, if I was perpetrated against as a child, I will relate with a perpetrator as an adult and will choose a person that has very also poor boundaries because that is familiar to me. Again, all this goes back to what is familiar to us. And it's not, it doesn't mean that we're stuck with it. It just means that we just need to know what it is. The little patterns that we react on, how chaos in our world becomes so damn normal so damn familiar and we don't even question it we think this is okay this is good so chaos is not the norm and we need to definitely get a hold of that and identify those patterns in our life growing up in crisis management mode does that make me still find relationships in crisis management mode i remember one patient said to me that she would go with her mom and drive around uh, the city looking for her dad in different girlfriends homes and that the child, the daughter, experienced that level of anxiety with mom. I mean, she interpreted it as this is this is normal that I gotta fight and protect 
<laughs> my husband for my family. It's not that the husband took blame for that in in her mind that, that women were no good and they're trying to steal your husband and a woman's job is to drive around in the middle of the night in chaos looking for her husband, looking for her man. And so the daughter as an adult, you can only imagine that her relationships conveyed this high level of anxiety and she was a highly distrusting and suspicious not of the man but of the women so she chose men that were very familiar to her father who were emotionally unavailable and uh, not to be trusted because again that is familiar you think that if you pick somebody who's distrusting it really is an accident no 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 it is not we just find things like that familiar to us even if we can explain it or put our finger on it it is familiar to us these men and women that are on the extreme that we choose and invite into our life are somehow familiar to us. So boundaries are a pretty important indicator of that. We don't want this little girl who's chasing her father from house to house to get the idea that this is what we do, this is what women do to keep a man, or this is how women are less worthy, less are, are inferior to men, and they have to work harder than men in the relationship. And those are all the beliefs that basically she stated in session uh, about her childhood. The beliefs, the core beliefs that she conditioned or that were conditioned and reinforced ever since childhood. All right, the next thing I want you to figure out in your pattern of choosing your partners, are you choosing partners that attach too quickly? Do you get attached too quickly? And how do they reciprocate that? Do you like men or women that are emotionally unavailable they are avoidant or they run or do you like somebody who is just as attached as you are do you like a person that's very codependent emotionally on you that really relies heavily on you and needs your validation all the time or are you okay with somebody who is interdependent and is aware of themselves and aware of their own boundaries and can share or is it another extreme of the person being emotionally unavailable emotionally extreme reacts in reactive behaviors or explosive behaviors as a way to solve the problems you know in this case what attachment style do you find the most comfortable with you and really working on all those things people sometimes do not think that their childhood has anything to do with the, the way they pick their their partner but I promise you that it is if you look a little further in and do some of the the work that you have to do in this lifetime I promise you will find connections and when you do the healing part comes really comes in so this is how we choose our partners now we're gonna find out how to heal those situations within and all of them will come back to us taking responsibility for what we're comfortable with even if it sounds ridiculous because most of our conditioning and our core beliefs are in our subconscious brain it's not necessarily rational a lot of the times it's irrational but yet it believes it to be true and you will know this because let's say you think that you're so worthy and consciously you're aware that I'm so worthy and I don't think I'm less than but the way I behave and the way I choose my partners and the relationships I choose to stay in do not demonstrate that that means that you really don't believe what you're saying out loud or consciously that means in your subconscious brain in the brain that you're not aware of in the beliefs that you're not aware of lies a 
belief that says that you are inferior, that you are not worthy, that you have to work harder than anybody else to keep this person with you, and that you're somehow defective. So, again, I'm not interested in what you say out loud. In this case, I'm interested in what you do, what you actually decide to do in relationships. Do you stay in toxic relationships and can justify that? Or do you identify the red flags right away in the beginning and say, okay, no, I'm so worthy and I am not going to stay in this relationship. And let me just tell you, red flags are always there from the beginning. It's just sometimes we dismiss them and we confuse them again with familiarity. If I grew up in chaos, in highly aggressive homes and meet an aggressive partner, I might think that that's love. I might define that as being love when in fact it, it isn't it's exactly what I just said it's aggressive it's it's chaotic it's extreme so it's sneaky how those things play out in our partnerships but they most certainly do most certainly do so identifying that what's important for you today is not what you say out loud and what you're consciously aware of but what you're unconsciously doing your behaviors your decisions are you deciding in fear to stay in a relationship? Are you deciding that it's better the devil that you know, better than the devil you don't know? Uh, I mean, whatever justifications you're making to be in certain relationships or to choose certain partners that may be, may, may be destructive or extreme in any way. All right. Let's get to the healing part because I think that that is pretty important as well as identifying or being aware of our traits that's also very very important we need to also identify how to heal those past wounds so as you already have guessed the first part is self-awareness being aware and doing your work of calling out what it is that you're looking at <laughs> right your own behaviors firstly and maybe the characteristics of the partners that you're choosing so calling a duck a duck is the first step, my friends. Self-honesty. Saying that, yes, I'm really antsy in relationships. I'm so antsy. I want to always know what my partner is doing. And I'm distrusting. I cannot allow my partner. Their, I cannot grasp the concept or accept that they are free to make any decision. So any decision they want, whether it's to cheat or commit, I, I can't accept that. I would have to make sure that they call me all the time, explain themselves all the time. And at time, I need validation. Or on the other extreme, I run or chase after a person that is emotionally not there. They throw crumbs at me and I call it love or I'm accepting with the little that they throw at me. I work so hard in that relationship and it, you can tell it's an unequal balance there and it causes significant distress. So I want you to focus on yourself first is what is it that is extreme within me when it comes to the people I choose? Do I have any childhood conditioning that contributes to how I pick the partners I pick? Being really honest with yourself is really the big part of the, the work that we do. And by identifying and doing the shadow work, kind of bringing your beliefs that are not working for you and bringing them into the light and getting to know them a little bit more, even if they are irrational, when you get to know them a little bit more, admit to them and take responsibility for them, then you could do something about them. You cannot unknow what you know now. It cannot hide in the darkness anymore. 
I can do something about it. So if I tend to be a very clingy person who is very distrusting and needs to have full control of, uh, of a person in a relationship, I need to sit back with myself and ask myself some, some questions, whether uh, that if is this real, is it working for me? Do I think that relationships or have beliefs about relationships having to be very difficult in order for them to work? Do, I, do they need to struggle in order for them to mean something? Is love hard? Does love bite? <laughs> um, if I believe all those things, then it's something that I need to be aware of. And really, you being aware of them is the way that you interrupt them. Again, you cannot unknow what you know, and there's a lot of power to that. You cannot hide in your own lies anymore. You cannot. That's good news for us. So don't worry about how I need to stop it. Just worry about being aware of that you're doing it. And then from that place, you'll find out what you need to do next. It is that simple. Don't worry about strategies. Just worry about being aware of your own dirty little secrets. And when you do that, I promise you, it'll work. Whatever it is you want to do next or whatever you decide to do next, even with fear, going into the unfamiliar and learning to be comfortable with what you don't know much about. So if you are a person that likes control, it's learning how to release control and learn to trust. And even if that's scary to you, I, I need you to know that that will be the place that you want, you're going to want to go. It's the place that you're uncomfortable with, not what you're comfortable with. If you are comfortable with chaos, extremes, um, controlling or emotional inavailability, if you are comfortable with all those things, we're looking for the stuff you're not comfortable with. You're going to learn to get comfortable with the stuff that you are not comfortable with. If you need to be controlling, for example, that the opposite would be the good for you, or not even the opposite, but somewhere in the middle, if you're not extremely, you know, chasing someone down or completely being avoidant of dealing with any emotions. What's the middle? Figure out what is the middle for you. And that's probably the place where you need to hang out, even if you're uncomfortable with it. Okay. So the answer isn't always the opposite behavior. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's somewhere in the middle for most of us. All right. I hope this makes sense. Again, I don't want to talk about how many different strategies for healing. I want us to start with admitting and getting to know ourselves and admitting our characteristics that are not working anymore. And in you doing that in itself interrupts the pattern, okay? So that's what I need you to focus on first. And I'll probably put out some more episodes on how to work on that even more so. But because this is called drive-through therapy, they're, they're supposed to be quick. I'm not supposed to go into detail. All I'm doing is maybe planting a new idea that you need to work on for now. Being honest with yourself and going to understand what you're comfortable with when it comes to toxic relationships, what you're familiar with and where that came from and taking responsibility for it. In doing so, you are just really interrupting your thinking patterns. That's all you're doing. You're interrupting those current thoughts that make you behave in extremes and make you choose the partners or become very comfortable with partners that are toxic for you. Or whether you are the toxic partner yourself, you're extreme yourself. And more than likely, if you're extreme, you're picking an extreme. Make no mistake about that, my friends. If I am an anxious person in relationships, very clingy, very needy, I'm going to pick someone of one of two extremes. Either they're completely detached where I have to chase them all the time, or they are uh, clingy like me 
that will be either way really just comfortable I'm comfortable with that because that's my norm I'm extreme myself so I will pick out extremes but when we work on our inner dependence when we work on our self-trust all that good stuff and getting to call a duck a duck within ourselves first and within our relationship second then we don't want to change our partner we want to understand why we chose that one we're not going to be focusing on, hey, I need to change my partner. I need to communicate better with him or whatever. Listen, or her. That's that's not really the point. The point is I need to know what I'm looking at. I need to know why I chose that and why that, that relationship or that person is appealing to me. All very important. We're not held hostage in a relationship, remember? We are not a tree. We can move at any time. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I hope this was helpful to you. Wherever you're at on your journey, it's good to ponder what you're good with. Uh, hopefully this validates or confirms or even starts to question some of the inside world that we have. And ain't nothing wrong with that. That's the work we do for the rest of our life is creating a beautiful relationship within ourselves, one of honesty and acceptance. This is Tala wishing you a ton of love and a ton of light. This has been an episode of Drive Through.